Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. What's it like to be a bartender? How do you handle people who have had too much to drink? Do people really tell their troubles to bartenders? And what do bartenders say in response? Our guest, Jeff Burkhart, joins us to shed light on those questions. Jeff is a longtime bartender and newspaper columnist, in addition to being the author of the book, 20 Years Behind Bars, The Spirited Adventures of a Real Bartender. Jeff, thanks for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Obvious question. How did you become a bartender? Uh, it was uh, it was by accident, really. I mean, I had started out uh, in the restaurant business as a as a high school student. I had originally been in construction, and uh, it was it was a hard work hard work. But I needed uh, something I could do after school, so I started working in the restaurant business. And I remember cooking for a while. And what happened was I went to a a meeting, a restaurant meeting. And I was sitting there in my dirty cook's clothes after working a 12-hour shift. And the guy sitting across from me was a, a, a gentleman about my same age who was a bartender who was driving this beautiful sports car and had this beautiful girlfriend. And I kept looking at him and thinking, I am doing something wrong. Ah, okay. <laughs> so then what? Uh, so then I, I, I lobbied my uh, my uh, management to to teach me how to bartend. I'd already know, knew how to cook, so the idea of assembling ingredients and making things was uh, was already part of my nature. So the idea of doing it on a more immediate basis instead of a you know fifteen twenty minute basis for cooking an entree, you you can make something in thirty seconds. So what are some misconceptions about what a bartender is and what a bartender does? Because I have ideas in my head. Whenever I think of a bartender, a certain image comes to mind, but I'm sure it's not exactly right. Well, no, you know, the, the funny, funny thing is I had a, a customer come in uh, uh, to, to where I work the other day and said, I, you know, I hear you're a famous bartender. And I said, oh, that's nice to know. And, and then they sat there and they stared at me and I stared at them. And finally I said, well, can I get you something to drink? <laughs> so, they, uh, you know, I think they can were I do my job. Yeah, I mean, to, to juggle or tell jokes or, or do something, which is all part of the job. But the other part of it is engaging with people. And, uh, you know, it's a, the hospitality industry is known as the hospitality industry because you're supposed to be hospitable. That's kind of the whole point of it. So the idea is to invite you're, – you're kind of the host of the party and you invite the guests in. That doesn't necessarily mean you're a, a you know, a acrobat or anything of that nature, but you're there to host the party. So that that that's one of the things about bartending. You know, bartenders have to be good listeners because, you know, people do want to talk to you, but you also have to know when to talk and when to listen. And that's kind of a, a juggling act that not everyone can do. So that's the biggest misconception is we're not just listeners. We also have to talk. So, you know, that's that's at least 50 percent or more of the job. Which is leads me to one of the biggest questions I have always had about bartending. What do people tell you? What do they say? What? How do they confide in you? 
Well, you, you get the, you know, you, you tend to know a lot of people. I've been doing this for, for almost 30 years now. So I, I know a lot of people from a lot of different venues that I've worked at over the years. So you build these relationships over time where you share these intimate moments with them. You know, you see their kids grow up, you know, they come in for birthdays, they come in for graduations, they come in for all kinds of things, you know, but the, uh, the bar is an adjunct to the restaurant. So it's all part and parcel, you know, kids and, and families are all there. And uh, so you see all of this growing up. So uh, all this, these families coming along and, and again, you build these relationships with them. So that's, that's one dynamic. The other aspect that I, I do a lot with my column Barfly, which is in the Murnai J, um, is people don't r- realize that you're only two and a half feet away from them. So they will have the un- most unbelievably intimate conversations sitting two and a half feet away from somebody without realizing that there is a, a living, breathing person there with ears. So that's, that's the other side of it. Is the, is the, there's the direct application where people actually talk directly to you, but then there's the part where people will have conversations right in front of you about intensely personal things without even regarding that you're actually there. And so that's, that, that, that can be a little uncomfortable sometimes. You know? I mean, it's not so much the conversations, but it's the, uh, you know, the, the making out that, 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 that gets the, to be the uncomfortable part. But the, the lead up to that can also be just as uncomfortable. Sure. So what do you do if there's a customer who's clearly had too much to drink? Do you get involved or do you just kind of try and stay out of their way? No, well, I mean, you have to get involved. The one thing that a lot of people don't reckon, uh, understand about bars is uh, whether the person got uh, uh, inebriated at your establishment or not, once they're in your building, they're kind of your responsibility. And uh, and that becomes a difficult thing to do because on one hand, you don't want to be the fun police where you're mm-hmm. camping down on everyone. On the other hand, you have to to recognize when someone's be, becoming a problem. And, you know, I have to say in this day of uh, 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 of Uber, that has changed the dynamic with these uh, these these driving platforms where people right. don't drive, drink and drive anymore because they don't have to because it's so easy to get a car, you know, and, and that changes that a little bit. But there's a being too drunk to drive is is not the only crime involved. It's illegal in, in California to serve someone who is visibly intoxicated. So that's that kind of catch-22 is what exactly, it, where is that line? And I always tell people, you know, that, that you have to get that, you have to do your work before you get there. Once the person's intoxicated, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. But you can kind of create an atmosphere where that's not really tolerated, Right. Where you're not just catering to volume drinking. You know, you have other things involved. You have food involved and you try and and base your business on that, because once you get to that point, there's really not much you can do. I mean, you have to kind of, you know, put them in a cab or get, you know, put them in a car or or sometimes, you know, have to call the police. So do you find that because Uber is around and, and rides are a lot more available than they used to be, that people will get more drunk at the bar because they're not worried about driving home? Well, they certainly try to. And again, that's that 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 fine edge where if you if uh, the the ABC, the Alcoholic Beverage Control, uh, calls a problem uh, uh, um, um, business a disorderly house. There's actually a statute involving that. And so the idea is that if you allow this kind of behavior as a as a normal course of business, that's what you'll become known for. And then that's that's what you end up getting. And so you have to kind of monitor that you can't run, you know, I mean, drink specials are one of those things that would encourage people to drink heavily. You know, if you have too many discounted prices, that sort of things. You, you, I mean, there are ways around it, but you just cannot 
cannot create the idea or the atmosphere that that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and unfortunately, some places do do that, and, and ultimately, they, they don't last very long. Well, going along with that, what do you do if a customer comes and says to you, hey, my drink wasn't strong enough, I want another one? Well, you, the, <laughs> the pat answer is, but well, you can always order a double, <laughs> right? Right, so right. That, that's always, you know, I, I, my favorite is the, the guy, can I have a splash of uh, a splash more of, of vodka? And my, my joke is always, is that a dollar splash or a $2 splash? <laughs> oh, I love because that. Because we're not giving stuff away. Right, I mean, it is, right. I mean, you know, restaurants and bars are businesses, you know, that's what we're there for. And sometimes, you know, people lose track of that idea. They think it's, it's an environment for fun when in actuality it's, it is, but it's also a business. Right. You have to make money with it. Right. And what about if a customer just sends a drink back because they don't like it, then are you going to give them a, another drink or what do you do? Well, like that brings food? up an interesting point. You know, I mean, there, there's a there's a, a misconception in the restaurant business or in the on the consumer side of the restaurant business that you have the authority to decide that you don't want to pay for something. So, in that situation that you're saying there, technically speaking, if you order a drink and we prepare it, you are obligated to pay for it. We don't it, even if you don't like it, that that's irrelevant. It's 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 called defrauding an innkeeper. You cannot procure services and then decide after you've taken advantage of those services not to pay for them. As a courtesy, most restaurants will say, you know, if you don't like it, we'll take care of it. That's part of the hospitality industry. But it's not a right. It's actually the right of the business to say, no, you you have to pay for that. So, I mean, when, when people do get a little, uh, you know, we had an incident a while back at, at the restaurant I work at where someone said, well, I'm not paying for this. And, it, you know, it got to the point where they were so uh, abrasive and obnoxious about it that they said, oh, yes, you are. Wow. <laughs> and, and they realized at some point that they were going to get arrested if they didn't pay for it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but again, that's a misconception people have that as the customer, you can't just decide I'm not paying for this meal and leave. If you do that, you will probably get arrested. Jeff, what are some of the telltale signs that you look for as a bartender when you're looking at a customer and you think, eh, maybe this guy's or gal has had a little too much? What are some of those clues? Well, slurred speech, you know, uh, 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 you know, unsteadiness on their feet, that sort of thing. Uh, not being able to to uh, articulate a, a, a sentence, right? That's but they want personal. another drink. Yeah, we exactly. You know, I had a a, a guy once you know, say something, you just give me something. And I said, sir, you actually have to be able to say it. <laughs> for you to get it. And of course, that was the buildup where I wasn't going to serve him anyhow, because yeah. if I have to say that to you, then you're obviously too far along anyhow. So, but that was, a, that was one of those funny moments. So say there's a crowd at the bar and everybody is lined up and wants to be served. How do you become the person that gets served first? This is a question I, I want to know from personal experience because I'm always just standing back and people are going in front of me and I'm like trying to catch the bartender's eye, but it, it doesn't really seem to work. Well, you, well, you have an advantage right off the bat. Uh, you're, you're, you're a lady. As a, as a girl, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you have a male bartender, I mean, if it works the other way, if it's a female bartender, that, right. that's, that's, that's just how people operate, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and And that's part of it. But the main thing is, if you're too pushy, that's a, a surefire, you know, that, you know, because bartenders can see what's going on. We have peripheral vi- vi- vision and you can see the activity that's going on and you're trying to do things. The person who marches up to the bar and barks the order right in, in, into, into the bartender's face, because you can lean over again, you're only two and a half feet away. That is the person who is going to get served the last. 
you know, last Mm -hmm. because that, I mean, I always say, what would you do when people ask me that question, right? That uh, if someone is being rude to you, what, what are you, are you going to go out of your way to, to, to bend over backwards? No, probably not. So it, 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 it's just a matter of, uh, of human interaction. So the, the idea is if you just signal to the bartender, like if you raise your hand and make, you know, make a little wave, they'll get to you when they have a, a chance because, I mean, we have a vested interest in, in, in selling drinks. That's what we do. That's how we make money. So the, we're not going to uh, avoid selling drinks unless there's a specific reason for that one being that that we feel you're 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 too intoxicated right because that's one of the ways that that people do handle that is you don't you don't provide as good a service as you could right so you don't get to their table three or four times or or wherever you know to the to the customer at the bar five times because you know every five times you're going to order a drink every you know and so that becomes a problem but again I mean, it's in our best interest to serve drinks. That's that's how we make money. That's that's the way the business works. So if you just make your presence known, we'll get to you when when it's available. But the problem is, people have a misconception of of when they were there, how long they've been there, and how long they've been waiting. Right, right. I think that's really interesting because I always feel like the person who's the pushiest and who gets to the front of the line um, always beats out the person who's being meek and mild in the back. And I don't know. I felt like I haven't been seen, but maybe. Maybe I am, and I just don't even know it. <laughs> well, you, well, you have to make eye contact, right? Right, you have right. To right. Somehow, make, you know, I mean, you, let them know I mean, you're there. The other thing is, you can't stand. You know, the the one thing at the bar is go to where the business is. The bartender, if if you see a line of people and he's making ten or or she's making ten drinks, if you stand at the opposite end of the bar, they're not going to drop everything to walk all the way down there to get to you. I always sure. say that the 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 person who is most inconveniently placed is always the least prepared to order. That's always, that seems to be the mantra, that the person who, who can't figure out how the system's working is usually the worst, uh, uh, is, is the least uh, 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 able to order once you get there. And, and as bartenders, you want to maximize your, your interactions. You know, I always say, you know, there's only, there's only so many minutes in an hour. So if, if there's 60 minutes in an hour, a bartender has 60 minutes to break down everything for everybody. So if there's 30 people in a bar, you get two minutes of attention. That's how it's going to work, right? If you need mm-hmm. more than that or less than that, then, then, you know, I mean, you're cutting into someone else's time. Yeah. We thank you for being part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners. If you're like us, you want to do the right thing to keep your body healthy. So stay tuned to hear more about how our Nobody Told Me listeners can get a tremendous offer from our sponsor, Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. You know, vitamin labels can be disappointing and misleading with questionable ingredients and sugary formulas. But then there's Ritual, made for skeptics by skeptics. With their multivitamin for women, what you see is what you get, and what you get is good. You may have heard us talk about Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, which was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women over the age of 18. Laura and I started taking Ritual Essential for Women multivitamins a couple of years ago. I look forward to taking them every day because I really like the way they smell minty and leave your mouth feeling fresh without the fishy aftertaste that some other vitamins have. And you know, that's important to me too. I also love that its capsule design is gentle on an empty stomach since I take Ritual Essential for Women every morning before I work out. The minty essence in every bottle keeps things fresh and helps 
helps make taking your multis actually enjoyable every day. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multivitamins that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Ritual is offering our listeners 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com NTM to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. Again, Ritual is offering our listeners 30% off during your first month. This is a great deal. All you have to do is visit ritual.com slash NTM to start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. And while you're there, check out their other fantastic products as well. Again, that's ritual.com slash NTM. You know, single people often go to bars to meet other single people. And I'm wondering what is the proper etiquette if you're at a bar and you'd like to get to know someone else who's there? I mean, just be polite. I mean, it's always, you know, I mean, the, the pickup lines, you know, that's so cheesy that, uh, that, uh, that most people can see right through that. But the idea is if you're, if you're a genuine person and you have a, you know, you just say hello to people. I mean, other people are there to meet people, right? That's the, I mean, bars are social events, right? If you want to go drink by yourself, you can go buy a bottle of uh, vodka and sit in your darkened living room, mm-hmm, yeah. right? So the idea is that you're you're probably there to interact with people anyhow. And if you're just friendly and nice, that's, you know, that that's that's how it's going to work. I mean, that's that's it's a social environment and people want to be social. Would you get involved if you saw a guy who was being really relentless talking to a girl who was maybe getting the creeps? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a you know, uh, it's easy to get men to, to come to a bar. I've always said you, I could put out a, a plywood board in front of my house with a with a six pack of beer, and in ten minutes, I'd have three guys from the neighborhood there. <laughs> right? That's that's not yeah. hard. Yeah. Right? But it's getting the women to come to the bar that that makes it a little different. And you need to make and women need to feel comfortable. And and one of the things is you can't allow that kind of uh, predatory behavior. And I mean, it can get out of hand. Uh, there, you know, there. I've heard instances where you know people. Will adulterate, uh, 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 excuse me, uh, uh, adulterate drinks, right? And and as a bartender, you've got to be aware that those things do happen, and and pay attention to that, and make sure that that doesn't happen. Because yeah. you know, I mean, you're there, you're not so there so much to take care of of them as babysit them, but to provide an environment that's safe and inviting, and that they want to return to. Again, back to what that's what hospitality is all about. What are some of the best pickup lines you've heard as a bartender? As you said, you're two and a half feet away from people. You must have overheard some of these or, or watched out of curiosity how somebody is, is trying to use a pickup line on somebody else. What have you heard? Well, I've always said that, that uh, especially when it comes to the, the fairer sex, that they've already decided whether they like you or not before you open your mouth. So uh, if you, the, 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 you know, the do you come in, come here often, pickup line won't work for the guy that they don't like, but it works like a charm for the guy they do like. So it's not so much what comes out of your mouth, just the fact that you make the effort to do it. And, uh, and, and so that's, that, that's how that works. But again, it's genuineness. The most, the obvious things are you don't, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, you don't want to be grossly sexual, right? That never, I mean, that never seems to work. 
I mean, I've seen, you know, yeah, you usually have to throw people out for that, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's what will happen. So, you know, so I, I would say that, that that's, you know, it's just genuineness. I mean, people, again, you know, people want to meet people. That's, that's what people do. What do you do if someone has run up some giant tab and then their card is declined? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, well, what we've done in the past is then you have to turn to an alternate uh, uh, form of payment. And and most bars won't accept a check. Personal checks are, are pretty much, you know, out of fashion. Not the, well, What if they don't just, have cash, they don't have a check, they don't have a credit card? Well, then that's when that defrauding an innkeeper comes in. Then it becomes, well, you're going to have to figure out how to do that, right? And the problem with, in, especially with declined credit cards is, and I've seen this almost, it's it's almost universal, is that they get mad at you. <laughs> right, uh-huh. right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. It's like it's the, the restaurant's fault that their credit card is Well, it's kind of a so panicky situation, though. I mean, you know, in some ways, they're just kind of mad because they don't know how to figure out the situation. Maybe it's not like directed at you necessarily, but... Exactly right. I, I wasn't right. thinking of it as like defrauding an innkeeper, and that, yeah. that freaks me out. Better make sure that everything's paid then, I guess, sure. before you get to the bar. Well, and, you know, the other thing is, is it depends on if it's your local bar. I've had it happen where I went to my, you know, the local watering hole down from my, from my house and I forgot my wallet and I sure. didn't realize it until I'd already had a drink. And, uh, and so of course, you know, since we, again, back to being building relationships, I knew them and I said, Hey, you know, I'll make it up to, you know, at next time. And that's, that's generally how those things are, ha- are, are, are handled. Again, restaurants are, are built on return clientele. They are not built on, on that one time person who comes in unless they're a tourist place, which is a whole different animal. But most fine restaurants are based on return clientele. People who come there all, you know, more than once a week. And those people, again, you build relationships. So if that happens, you just kind of say, okay, we'll take care of it till, till next time. You don't want to ever make someone feel uncomfortable in that situation, right? Yeah. Because again, it's probably just an accident. Sure. How do you deal with someone who tries to buy a drink and you think they're underage? Uh, well, I mean, you, you know, that's one of the biggest, that, that, that's the, uh, the deal breaker of all deal breakers is that serving a minor, you'll lose your job, you'll lose your license, the business will close. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you cannot make that mistake. And I've done this for you know thirty years, and I've never I've I've never had that problem, right? Because I always, if anyone even looks remotely uh, under thirty, I card them, and that's just the way it works. And some people get upset about it. Some people, you know, some people uh, are flattered. Don't. What's that? Some people are flattered. Well, that's what I was going to say. So it depends on who it is, <laughs> and uh, and then you've also got to you know the the the, the classic is the mother daughter situation where you card the daughter. And then the mother gets upset. So the, the usual way to deal that is I'm going to need to see both IDs, uh-huh. regardless of the, of the circumstances, right? And, and, and sometimes, you know, the people will play along with that. And sometimes, you know, that, that further aggravates them. But, uh, but again, it's, it's, a, it's always a juggling act. It, the one thing about the, the restaurant business is it's, it's built on change. Everything changes all the time. How much are you, are you supposed to tip a bartender? Well, you know, with uh, with credit cards, it's uh, most people. I mean, the majority of our business now is is credit cards. It's always funny. I think you know, um, I had a conversation with a while back, and he says, "Aren't you ever worried about you know uh, people you know robbing a business?" And I said, "Well, <laughs> they wouldn't. They probably wouldn't. That wouldn't be a good idea because most restaurants are in deficit by the end of the night. They don't have any money. That's the that's the way it works because all the money has to go out for other for other reasons. But uh, the, the thing is, is that I usually think it, you know, 
10 to 10 to 20 percent is a is is a good tip right it's mm-hmm. the main thing is that you want to get something mm-hmm. so you know the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that mo- uh, the way the the tip out structure is for a bartender or, or a waiter is there are other people to tip out from them. So if you give me, for instance, a dollar, I don't get to keep all of that dollar. I have to tip it out, tip it out to the bar back, to the, uh, to the food runners, to the, uh, to the um, um, uh, bus boys, maybe, you know, if it's a cocktail waitress, she has to tip the bar, all those sorts of things. So in some cases, if you actually stiff uh, a waitress or a bartender, they actually have to pay to wait on you then. Oh, wow. Meaning that they're still required to tip out on money that they did not receive. Uh-huh. So that, that's, that's the unfortunate thing is, is that does happen, but you know, it's a cumulative effect that it's, it's not every, every dollar you make. It's, it's the totality of the, of the situation. What's the most popular drink right now? I'd say the Moscow mule probably. I mean, you know, and, and thank God for that because it's that's super my favorite. I love that drink. <laughs> How do you make uh, you it? Know, I mean, you got to be careful with that because uh, those are 16 ounce glasses. So you've got a good eight to 10 ounces of, of very high sugar soda. So I always recommend that you do this, the skinny mule, which is a half ginger beer, half soda water with vodka and lime. And it tastes just as good. You'd really not be able to tell the difference. And it's at literally half the calories. Oh. Laura's going to take notes man, on that man, one. I know. I was going to say, I just need to write it down, but I'll remember. <laughs> How closely do you measure each ingredient in a drink? Uh, I mean, as many years as you've been in this. Well, I'm 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 pretty intuitive uh, at this point. So, I mean, I can figure it out pretty. I mean, I you know, I just have an, a kind of a, an instinct for it now. I mean, when I first started uh, doing it, we, I used to work for a company where we had to actually take pour tests where they would. Uh, make you pour a quarter ounce, a half ounce, or uh, uh, three quarters of an ounce, an ounce, and you had to do that every month. And if you didn't pass the test, you would that you'd lose your shifts at the bar. So a lot of places will jigger pour, where you actually use a measuring device. I mean, that's you know that uh, it's a good, it's a bad visual, and it's it's not really that accurate because it's possible to 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 cheat even using that. But uh, but you know you you want to be pretty accurate because you want the drinks to taste right and 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 a lot of these newer drinks have a, a more ingredients than drinks of the past and as a result you have to get those proportions right if if you don't I mean drinks are you know, it's all about balance right sweet sour um, uh, salty sweet whatever whatever you're doing and if you don't get those those percentages right they don't taste right so I think it is important to to, to measure in a certain degree. I would imagine that more than just about anybody in the world, you've heard of different hangover cures. So what is your favorite? Uh, well, the, 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 it depends. If you, uh, obviously, if you have a headache, I, aspirin is the way to go. But, you know, the, the, the one thing that, that, that you can do to prevent the hangover is if you just have a glass of water with every alcoholic beverage that you drink, mm-hmm. It, it keeps you hydrated because alcohol is a dehydrator. Right. And so what happens is it, it causes you. And, and the reason you're getting your headache is because your brain has the largest capacity of water and it's shrinking and it's pulling on all the membranes that, is, that, uh, that's in, that are in your head. So the idea is you want to keep your body pumped up w- with water as you're dehydrating it. So that's the surefire way. Well, once you're again, it's kind of like being being intoxicated. Once you're there, there's not really much you can do because uh, alcohol, uh, blood alcohol level there's no way really to neutralize that. 
And the same thing with a hangover. Once you've got that, that, that toxic environment, you're in, in trouble. Now, the one thing I have read and seen and, done, and seen some research on is you do not want to take Advil. That I've seen is, is, a, is, is very, very bad for, uh, for, for, for hangovers. Regular aspirin, from what I've heard, is, is, a, is a better way to go. And, and, and certainly water is, is again, the, the, the crucial ingredient. You know, Jeff, since our show is called Nobody Told Me, we always like to ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? What is it that nobody told you about when you first got into this business and you had to learn on your own? Uh, well, there, there, I would say there's two things. One is that uh, that uh, uh, women aren't always the, the fairer sex. <laughs> they can be just as mean as, uh, as any man I, I've ever seen. That was kind of a, an eye opener for me. And uh, and the other one is is that uh, that um, that the, the minute you make a rule or try and institute a policy, people will try and get around it. And and that's something that you see in the bar business an awful lot is is gaming the system, trying to to do these things to get more or or whatever instead of just you know you know basic uh, um, um, civil. Uh, uh, um, um, you know, get, getting just civility, right? So that's the shocking thing is is that to, to have people actually outright lie to you, right to your face. You know, the classic mm. one is I I have reservations when they don't have reservations, mm. or or I you know you're, you're you're trying to save a seat and you tell them you can't save seats, you know, unless the people are here. Oh, they're parking the car, you know, and an hour goes by and they still haven't come in from parking the car. You know, they're clearly not parking the car. Yeah, yeah. So those those are the things is, is the idea that people will – there there's a certain uh, a type of person who will say anything to get what they want. And that was kind of an eye-opener for me that, that I didn't realize that the percentages of that type of person in our society were as high as they are. Well, Jeff, we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we presume people can find out more about you at jeffburkhart.net? Correct. That's right. And you can see, you can read me every, every Sunday in the Marin IJ and every other Wednesday in the Marin IJ. I also do features for Capture Magazine and a couple other ones too. So, but uh, you can find all that stuff through jeffbrookhart.net. Yeah. All right. Super. And the book is called 20 Years Behind Bars, The Spirited Adventures of a Real Bartender. And that bartender is Jeff Burkhart, who's been our guest. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Volume two is out in, in, in late spring. All right. All right. We'll look well, we can't to we can't wait for that. You've got some great stories. We uh we had a lot of fun with you. So Yeah, thank you so uh, much, Jeff. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. Thank you for joining us. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.